Off top, I would like to read you guys a tweet from what appears to be a lovely young lady. She tweeted at Fox Earth Show, discovered this show yesterday, listened to a few episodes on the treadmill, and then found out about Charlie Kravitz. So now I only watch on YouTube for reasons. Play the music. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Welcome to the Dominique Foxworth Show. I'm joined, as I always am, by my producer and co-host, Snack Harlow, Snack McClung, Charlie Kravitz. What's up, Snack? Is that why you dress like me today? <laughs> Down to the socks? I'm trying to I'm trying to steal some of your glow up. I want people to tune in to see my good looks. Uh, I mean, we don't want to be the best, and this is sort of giving me the ick. So let's uh, should we do some sports? Yeah, we can do some sports. I had to start off with a nice, pleasant complimentary or complimentary way to start the show because I yelled at you this morning because you were infuriating me. And it's not just you. You were a stand-in for a bunch of other people who were infuriating me. And it was people complaining. It's like fans and sports media personalities complaining about the NBA All-Star game. I'm so sick of it. Stop it. It's like the, it's almost like they don't have a mirror and they don't recognize that in part the game has changed and it's gotten less competitive and it's not fun because of them. Like the players are reacting in a situation that seems pretty reasonable to me because of the proliferation of sports media and social media and our culture generally in sports counting rings. No one in sports reveres the guy who plays hard in the All-Star game. They get mocked. We revere mm -hmm. the guy who wins championships. And that's just, it's all the way down through the lower ranks of basketball. I play, I spent this weekend at um, basketball practice for my son. And one of his teammates has an older brother who's like 13, pretty good basketball player. So I played basketball with him the whole time game the business this is what you set up this whole thing to say that yeah, you, you locked up a 13 year old in one-on-one -on -one. him the blues hopefully he got better but no my point is being around it and it's something that i think has been in the air in the way that i view sports is the professionalization of youth sports and i think all of this feeds into the current culture and pro sports and i think more than anything i agree with the fans and i agree with the media personalities who like lament how boring the all-star game is i didn't watch it either i wasn't interested in it it's not exciting or interesting i understand that but to me it feels like complaining about a problem that you caused and you're not looking in the mirror and realizing that it's a natural outgrowth of the culture that we've celebrated and the culture that we've encouraged. And now when this happens, I think I would understand if there was one or two guys on the floor who just weren't playing hard, then I would say something's wrong with those two guys. It's annoying. And this is generally not just in this, just around the world in general it's sometimes annoying and maybe this is part of my 40 year old like i have a better view on on the world it seems interesting or it seems obvious to me when there is something that's affecting an entire population that it is about the system 
not the people. And I think that's why I get annoyed is because people who help to create the the system look up and see how the players are reacting inside the system and then yell at them for being them for, for saying that they are, or they yell at them and say that they are like uniquely selfish. Like there's different versions of people. No, they are normal people who are behaving. Well, they're superhuman in some yeah, way. But like, in, in their brains, they are normal people re- who are behaving or excuse me, reacting to reasonable incentives. I think, okay, if you, if first of all, would you say you played harder against that 13-year-old than anyone played in the All-Star game? Oh, 100%. Okay. 100%. Oh, I gave him shots because I wanted to keep him interested, but it was an hour and a half, and I had to make sure that it was clear that I still had it. Dominique once played one of our former producers in one-on-one, and the guy said that he could guaranteed he would be able to score on Dominique. That was not the case. <laughs> He's tall, too. Poor Ozzy. Because he was just so disrespectful. I saw him after that. And he was a broken man. He was so disrespectful. Like, I just, I don't know. Strategy-wise, you just got to go step back and huck threes. Yeah. But the point that I made to him, to Ozzy, and that the young 13-year-old had to learn was, you will not get a good shot. You're not going to get a good shot. It's just not going to happen. Like, you're not faster than me. You're not quicker than me. You can't jump higher than me. You're not going to get a good shot. And Ozzy didn't get any good shots, so he lost 11 to 0. Sounds a lot like Paul George and Damian Lillard. All depends <laughs> what a good shot is. Um, so I want to get back to the All-Star game, and I want to separate it into things as we were going on that stuff. You gave us- it's, it's normally not. Yeah, I'm normally now a football just- player playing basketball, but that now, James- now we're just lying. Now we're just lying. Okay, whatever. Um, I mean, defensive back, not a wide receiver <laughs> for, for a reason. So if you're going to tell me that the all-star game was bad and that it's the system's fault, not the player's fault. I'm not going to totally disagree with you. I do think that these guys are stars who should care about the well-being of the league and marquee products um, just because that's how the league continues to get bigger and improve. But I do think the bigger story here is the all-star game is a symptom of what's going wrong sort of in the nba first of all i miss football so much i miss i miss football so much like, i can't believe we're we're a week after the football season and we're now discussing whether or not guys tried hard enough in the nba all-star game but where i fall on this is the system the nba the rules the way it's officiated has gone so much towards offense so much towards allowing guys to score and the guys have gotten so much better at making shots they score from everywhere but it is a problem with the entertainment product. The games are less entertaining in the current NBA than they should be with the players being this great. How does that apply to the All-Star game? So the, I think you're right. Part of that is analytics in part, like analytics in football does not tell you the right way to play. Like it does not like when you go into a football game, you can see multiple types of defenses having success and different types of offenses having success. I think in the current NBA, we've seen some teams diverge from the formula, but the last 10 years or so, it felt like every team was trying to play the same way. And that I think is still connected to the challenge or the push and pull of entertainment versus winning 
and pro sports, I think pro sports teams and pro sports leagues have a challenging like dual motive where to be a pro sports league, you want the product to be entertaining. Yeah. You also want it to be like have integrity and that like those things are at odds. And yeah. for a specific team, it's even more obvious where you want to make money, but you want to win. And if it's been proven through the addition of three-point line that you get a better chance of winning by playing this way, then it seems dumb. And then that also ties back into like load management and how aggressively you play an all-star game because, and then that also ties all the way back to the original point that I was making is like the way the system exists, which inside the system also exists fans and sports media people who establish the priorities for the league. And the players respond to those priorities. I kind of think ring culture only matters for the top of the top players. Like no one thinks that Chris Middleton is a mar is like a markedly more impressive player than someone like Jalen Brown. Like when you're in, it's it's like a select six to eight guys. And the here's here's I want to go specifically through the All Star. Wait, game. Hold on, before you go to that, I would say that I agree with you, except for the fact is those top players set the culture. Definitely, you can't be Chris Middleton out there going hard and well he wasn't in an all-star game that would have been going awesome. hard in the all-star game while the top of the league is setting the culture for the league and if you are Giannis and counterpoint Carl Towns was that in the all-star game exactly. he, got, he got in his bag he's like we're gonna we're gonna score 40 we'll be down by 20 this is my moment you're making you're making my point and who came in here uh, and got on the tv or wrote a tweet the next day like man sure wish the league was full of cats nobody because you make fun of that guy. I know what I must do, brother. <laughs> yeah, because he's the outlier. But I think even with Chris Middleton and thinking back on Giannis, if Chris Middleton is not optimizing his body to be prepared for the playoff run in the finals, Giannis will have words for him because Giannis's legacy is dependent on that. So I'm sorry to – I know you're going building to a bigger point, but I think it's important to understand that every even though it only matters for the guys who are going to be ranking when it's all over, it influences everybody. So my, my larger point where I think we disagree, the system has, and by the system, I mean the league, the officials have prioritized things that have made the game slightly more monotonous, slightly less fun in the regular season. There are too many games. We know this, there's six, five game rule, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I do think that the onus on fixing those things is on court performance and the league can't fix that with the players. There is a personal responsibility that like we need to make a product that's good enough. You need to care about the next generation of players and the health of the league because that's what's going to lead to the media deals. That's what's going to lead to the guys getting paid more. And I do think that there's a bubble in that. Like everything, like this has been talked about on other podcasts. Right. Simmons brought this up. Why are the ratings going up for everything yeah. but the NBA? And the NBA would, their counterpoint would be like, we're getting more digital impressions. We crush on YouTube, et cetera, et cetera. But it's created a bunch of NBA fans who care more about the drama than the game. And they tune in on a, cold night in february and they're like oh these guys aren't playing these guys aren't playing hard it's it's it's, exe it's exemplified in the all-star game and then if you want to talk about incentives that's been brought up and let's roll through a couple of these oh, can we can we address yeah. the first one first yeah yeah because you you constructed you you pose this as you disagreeing with me but ultimately still got to the same point well no i just also blame the players well <laughs> i mean you clearly said that the NBA itself is yes. prioritizing this soap opera and this um, social engagement. So why, when the top decision makers are clearly sending a message to the employees that this matters more than that, 
then why would we then go to the players and say, hey, but you got to have some personal pride. You got to uh, pull the NBA up by its bootstraps, personal responsibility. Like that to me seems absurd. Yeah, this is this is this is gaslighting. How's the gas gaslighting? You just said it. OK, never mind. We'll count that as a gaslight. What's the next one? Okay, so let's talk about the the, the game itself because you have to. It, it was an atrocity. It was an abomination. I wouldn't know. I only watched the first quarter. I didn't watch any of it other than the highlights. Yeah. Um, and so we, I mean, we had guys like I mean, Luca and Jokic yeah. couldn't have cared less. None of the players could have cared less. So there are a couple ways that we could theoretically fix this. Jalen Brown instead incentivize it, pay them for the game. I kind of think that's like paying the guys five hundred thousand dollars to to care when a lot of them are making forty plus million dollars. Like I don't think it's going to be that big that big of a an impetus to it. And it's also like the analogy for this is the coworker or the worker um, in an office who it's like, Hey, we really have a, we have a a report we need by the end end of the day. And it's like five Oh one, we needed it at five 15. And like, not I'm off the clock at five. And I kind of think that's silly when these guys are. So you are the king of bad analogies, but, and analogies are also like the language of a, of a lost debate. You instead of actually discussing what we're discussing, you're like, all right, let me build this analogy. But now you're building an analogy about the analogy. No, 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 no. I'll go back and I'll address your analogy. What happens to that person, the the mythical person that you have that says, I'm just leaving at five versus the one who stays to five fifteen? The one who stays to five fifteen never ends up getting the rewards that they that they expect. So Sometimes. again, it's also the analogy falls apart when these guys are yeah. making forty I mean, million dollars compared to someone in an office. And agreed, that's why the analogy is is weird in general. We can just talk about what's actually here, or we can have analogies about food in workplaces. <laughs> so, next one. Oh, we didn't even finish with that oh, one. No, well, you tore that one down. Okay, <laughs> all right. Next, next analogy. It's not going to work giving them an extra five hundred thousand dollars. Well, I mean, I think that the point is. When you are constructing, at least this is the way that I think it, I, I don't want it to sound like I've done some research about it, but the way that I think about like building a work environment or building a team atmosphere or building any or encouraging people to developing a culture, frankly, is what, what you're trying to do. And when you think about that, you would like the positive incentives to be as closely tied to the me- metrics that you're measuring as possible. In this case, the metric that you care about is viewership, right? And, and engagement, people not being pissed about it. Right. Well, I mean, you can't measure how pissed somebody is or engagement. I think viewership is ultimately. So if you are going to create some sort of incentive, then you tie it to viewership. And then you lowest, get... Last two All-Star games, lowest viewership that's, on earth. That's my point. And then you get out of the way of assuming that you know what knob to turn. You don't know what knob to turn. You know what result that you want. You tie the incentive to the result that you want and then get out of the way. I'm not sure that that will work either, but I think it's the smartest thing you do. The reason why I'm not sure it will work is because we can't change. Again, this is all about culture. I want to ask you about some fu- some ideas to change it before we move on. But I, before, do you think it's, you think I'm irrational if I'm annoyed at the players for how they play in the regular season of the All-Star game? You think I should just be like shaking my fist, being like, damn Adam Silver, damn Dick Pavetta. <laughs> yeah, and, and damn myself and sports media in general. No, I mean, I get it. I understand why you would have an immediate reaction to like the face of the problem, but they aren't the root of the problem. So... 
obviously, I don't expect fans to fully understand all of this. But as someone who steps back and looks at it, it just seems kind of silly to me. So if you want somebody to be mad at, you want to blame LeBron for all of this, by all means. do that. I'm just saying, I'm not talking to you now. Just the general fan who is offended that I said that the players aren't the problem. If you want to blame them, makes you feel better, by all means, pick one of them and blame them. But if you, yeah, but if you actually want to understand what's actually happening, it's not that all of a sudden this generation of players just were born different. They just, they aren't different. They are the same. The league has made a clear shift uh, to being more profitable and less like about the competitive and the players respond to that. You don't think that there's, this is the first generation where this has happened, where effort wanting to play, uh, holding up their half of the bargain and things that aren't directly incentivized to them has become an issue. You don't think any of that is tied to load management, player empowerment, the players get more money, more power. They feel like less. I think it's all tied to together. But, I but do that's think, on the players. No, I don't think it's on the players. I think the players are responding to the environment around them. I do think that, yes, the players can be held responsibility. And obviously, as a staunch advocate for unions in general and sports unions in specific, I'm going to speak at a summit tomorrow uh, for the NFLPA. I love the unions. And I do understand that all the things that players have now are because of sacrifices that players made before. And those previous players did not benefit from those sacrifices. So I get the concept of like you carrying this responsibility, but that's inherent in the culture. That's what you have to amplify. That's what you have to celebrate. The NBA has not amplified or celebrated people who were like in it for preserving the culture. Had they done that, then people would grow up with the idea like, Man, this is what's expected of me. You know what the NBA has amplified and celebrated? Winning championships. <laughs> So, like, I don't – this doesn't have to be an argument or a disagreement. It seems quite obvious to me that everyone in and around the sport have told us one thing matters above all else. One thing will get you respect. One thing will get you revered. One thing matters. And then the players respond in a way that is consistent with the, the priorities that were set before them. And then we're like, why don't you guys play hard in the All-Star game? Because no one counts All-Star game MVPs as something worth caring about. I just think that's a, I mean, I get that. And all of that is right. The priority has been swung towards this NBA playoffs. You can see it. Like you've said this before. You don't want to watch the regular season compared to the playoffs. Different sport. But it's also like, I do think it's like slightly intransigent to think that trying in the All-Star game will drastically increase your probability of injury or lower your chances of of winning a title i agree but i think you're looking at it from the negative side and not the positive side it's about risk reward analysis you're not gaining anything and so you may not lose anything but you're not gaining anything so i want to get there and ideas it's not just money it could also be pr yeah pr and the love and adoration of the fans that you care about and we don't do it I kind of think that fixing the all-star game, if the players like actually decide to do that would be really good PR. And I think it doesn't just, it's not just the game yeah. because I like, so here's, I don't know if the all-star game specifically is fixable. I, I have a couple, couple ideas, a couple questions. So maybe complaining helps. Maybe yeah. all of us whining about it will make somebody want to white knight in and say, I'll solve it. I'll be the man who That's fixed right. the all-star game. All right, go ahead. Um, one, would you scrap the game and just give them a week off, do some other events around, around all-star weekend? No. Okay. I mean, I mean, you need some sort of centerpiece. Uh, 
And I guess you could make the centerpiece something else other than the game, but it's nice to have a thing, like a reason to be there. People want to go to all-star game. Like people go to the Super Bowl and have no interest in getting tickets. Yeah. Because it's a thing. And I think the NBA needs that one event. It's never going to be the finals because you don't know where it's going to be. It bounces a bunch of different places. Not one day. Would you make it USA versus the world? Because in theory, there could be pride on the line and the world, if they tried, would demolish the U.S. <laughs> yeah, I think it could matter. I mean, it gives you something to play for. It reminds me of the cycle that we have in USA basketball generally, where it's like we dominate, then we get a little worse, get a little worse, get a little worse, then we lose to something we're not supposed to lose to, and then we get back up our best group and dominate, which – I guess our best group isn't as good. Well, our best group is still better than everyone else's individual best teams. But together in the NBA, we don't stand a chance. Mm -hmm. Especially when you reminded me that SGA is Canadian. Oh, this is a great off-air off -air conversation. <laughs> I was like, who's, who's going to do it for the U.S.? Jason Tatum? SGA? Like, SGA. He's our best American. He's North, North American. American. And that's what I meant, obviously. I'm a continentalist, obviously. But some of the other events, I think, can be really good. And I think have also fallen by the wayside. So I thought the best part of All-Star Weekend, I didn't watch it live. I watched it a replay with Seth versus Serena. Judge me for, for grouping all of North America together. It's Black History Month. Y'all do it to Africa all the time. Don't, there's no y'all in this. I can't believe this, this is more, more gaslighting. <laughs> One of the things I would argue is they have to be a little bit more nimble. So, like, the Steph versus uh, Sabrina was good this year, and I think it'd probably be good again next year. But I also think that, like, Caitlin Clark's coming to the league. Yeah. yeah. So, like, I think the idea of having different challenges where we can showcase different people and different skills uh, and cross-promoting it with WNBA players, like, I think all of that stuff – is interesting and a good thing to think of going forward. I would not get rid of the all-star game. Like I, I'd, I'd consider three on three or I consider something like we need something where all the stars are there and participate. $10 million one-on-one -on -one competition, $10 million for the winner. Yeah. That'd be intense because by the way, up, it would drastically up the amount of injuries. Cause I feel like one-on-one -on -one is yeah. the number one way that people well, I mean, play, elbowing someone in the face, play three dribble, three dribble, yeah. no rebounds, just like yeah, three dribble one-on-one. -on -one. Yeah. But how cool would it be to see like a center playing against a guard, an actual one-on-one? -on -one? It would be awesome. Um, dunk contest. Dunk contest turned into a G League showcase. Kind of a bummer. I think that it should just be NBA stars and it should be incentivized for a way because there is good PR in that. Yeah. Like there's no – I mean, I know Zion, John Morant, Anthony Edwards, all of those people would do – would become like create core NBA memories if they dominated the dunk contest. Like we care more about Eric Gordon and Zach Levine's dunk contest than any other part of them as players. And now it's just Mac McClung versus Jalen, Jalen Brown wearing a glove. Do you think, yeah, that was a bad dunk contest, but the dunk contest in this again goes to like the competitiveness versus like consumerism or profitability is like when, um, when Blake Griffin jumped over the Kia, I was like, uh, it's over. Yeah. The dunk contest is dead. So I, I don't know. I don't know if there's a solution to the dunk contest. Uh, I think having the top stars in it would be more interesting. But also, like, am I a jerk for saying I've seen all the dunks and I open my Instagram and I see all the dunks every day and, like, the dunk contest might just be dead? LeBron won at 40. It would be awesome. Yeah, but he didn't. He killed the dunk contest, as Stephen A. said. All right, that was fun. Let's get on to someone who knows a lot more about basketball than us. Surprise, Monica McNutt.
This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do, big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash df today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash df. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom, Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good. The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic liqueur. Barnstown, Kentucky. 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more More than than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. As promised, everyone's favorite basketball brain, Monica McNutt, is joining us. Hey, Monica. Hi guys, happy All Star break over. I don't Thank know. you. Now you you weren't here for the early conversation where I was yelling at Charlie for yeah. him complaining about the All Star game. So let's not re-enter that foolishness. He's he's mad that I didn't want to see them score two hundred points and a half. Um, all right, so gaslight, guys. The NBA season starts this week. Very exciting. The true beginning of the NBA season. So we're gonna do some NBA Mad Libs. Um, as we head into this, the second half in the stretch run, um, I'm going to give you a sentence. There's going to be a blank. We're all going to fill it in. 
riff on a little bit. First one, it is blank that Damian Lillard did not include Giannis in his starting five of NBA players. Monica, I don't know. Monica might be diplomatic right here. I'm coming with the heat. All right, I'll 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 let you off the hook for a second. You can come back uh, after I say okay. concerning. Hmm. That is problematic. Ominous. Oh, interesting. Hateful. I actually was going to go understandable out of Dame. Hmm. Honestly, like it's a little crazy. I know. But rattle off the guys, uh, Kravitz, because I looked at this this morning and I was like, I kind of get that. Do you? So the the big one is that he put Bam out of bio at center over Giannis in this. Monica's a big NBA personality. Yeah. She can't be acting so, crazy like it's, me. I know. It's Dame Lillard, Stephen Curry, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and Bam out of bio. No, he could have put Jokic in there. I would have been okay. Maybe some Jokic, but we got little Bam Bam. The guy who wanted to get that Dominique called him little Bam Bam, not me. I'm just repeating it. I never said that. But this is a guy who wanted to be traded to the Heat. Did not get along with Adrian Griffin. Seems to be the person who might have been more responsible for his dismissal than Giannis. They brought in Doc. That that hasn't totally worked with Doc Rivers. The the term I used was it is ignominious. Oh gosh, that Damian Lillard did not include Giannis in his starting five of NBA players. I think that this is a reflection that the experiment has not been a happy one in Milwaukee. So, all right, so let me couch my understandable. I think it's understandable, and I do think it's a little bit of trolling. But when I look at these guys, I am immediately struck by, at least for Bam, I don't think Bam gets enough credit in the league, personally, for his versatility, particularly on defense, offensively, the versatility kind of ebbs and flows a little bit, right? And so if it's just Bam versus Giannis, it could be a little bit of that Kravitz in terms of a guy who he thinks he may fit with a little bit better. But, like, I wasn't about to make this a huge thing. Like, he obviously went with guys that are lethal shooters, scorers. Even if you just want to go to this list being guys that have the ability to shoot the basketball. Bam can shoot the basketball better than Giannis. Yeah, that's fair. But, I mean, I like to troll. For <laughs> I mean, they, they've underachieved so far this season. They moved for up from sure. the coach, and they are not the title contenders that we all thought when they first got over there. And I think the point that Charlie pointed out is that we heard all summer that Dame wants to go to Miami. Yep. He wants to go to Miami. And then the place that he ends up, he then calls for the center at the position of the player that he was drawn to. Play. I don't know. It was probably a mistake. Yeah, I mean, nothing. It wasn't Let's like a, call it an it's oversight. not like Dame is a rapper or anything and, <laughs> and understands the importance of words. The funniest outcome of this would have been if he had been like myself, Duncan Robinson, Caleb Martin, <laughs> Jimmy Butler, Jimmy Butler. Bam left off Tyler Hero. You can trade him for me. <laughs> That's okay. The rest of the Heat players, though. They're going to be all right. They're going to struggle. They're doing better than Georgetown, which is nice. Oh, wow. Why did we have to catch that? Str- okay. No, right, y'all better than DePaul. You did. That's it. Thanks. Yeah, that's <laughs> Yeah, I'll take it. So, Monica, no level of concern with the Bucks. Obviously, they have a good record, but when you turn on and watch that team a little bit, it looks clunky. It doesn't look... Um, great at times we thought that pick and roll was going to be unstoppable from the jump yeah there's a level of concern but i think all right let's look at the east right and for as competitive as it is the bucks are i am not concerned that they will fall outside of the top five mm-hmm. five being the basement in my mind i think there are some things that they will figure out i think to a degree while we while we are all right to jump up and down on the absence of drew holiday their point of attack defense 
Grayson Allen, whoever you want to attribute to no longer being there, I do think that to a degree, defense is just effort, and they just have not put forth the effort. And now, as you started this conversation, at least when I joined Kravitz, the NBA season just got going. Like, you do have some veterans that know how to turn it on, so to speak. Now, I am also one that cautions everybody about this on-off switch because I don't think it's as easy to flip on as you think, but I think there's enough runway for them to find what this version of the Bucks defense looks like. And frankly, the offense is still high caliber when it wants to be. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. We can all withhold judgment and for a couple more months. But to your point, there's no switch when they get to the playoffs. I think the habits right. that they uh, ingrain in the next couple of months are the ones that they're going to carry into the playoffs. If we don't see like some defensive improvement between now and then, then we don't have to respect them as a real contender. And I kind of just thought that the offense would be easier too. Cause like you're having a peak Giannis season and we don't know how many of these where he'll be this good and this dominant on both ends, they're going to be left. Um, and you think with adding someone like Damian Lillard, that they should just be pretty much unstoppable in the half court. So, that was sort of the I'm gonna jump thing. In though. I'm going to jump in though, Kravitz. Cause I think, yes, in theory, we all thought mm-hmm. that. Yes. But both of these guys, I'm about to mess up exact numbers of years in age, but Dame's been in the league at least a dozen years. Giannis mm-hmm. is pushing 10 if it is not already 10. They have been the centerpiece the entire existence of their NBA career to date. And so, yes, in theory, us, oh, just share the best ball, run the pick and roll, wop, wop, wop. There is so much more yep. that goes into that. Like, And I keep going back to how much of an anomaly Kawhi Leonard 2019 Raptors was in terms of add star, add water, add championship. It doesn't happen. That's a really good point. I have no rebuttal because it does seem like it takes two years usually for for these stars to mesh a certain way. Um, All right, next one. And in this one, we need to assume that the standings more or less hold Pat and one of the Thunder T-Wolves or a one-seed or two-seeded. They're both the one and the two. So blank team is in the play and in the West. And that's the team that the young top seed, either the Thunder or the T-Wolves, will not want to play. It's the Lakers. Yeah. It's the Lakers. And I don't even I don't even think it is a mental do not want to play because I actually think both of the top two teams are like, let's go, let's get it. I think that if the Lakers put it together, their size can match up with either one of those two teams. It's a little bit more problematic for the Thunder than it is the T-Wolves. So just schematically, mm-hmm. those matchups are the problem. Yeah, I definitely would agree that it's the Lakers. I mean, the other option is the Warriors, right? The Warriors, the Mavericks could end up in there. The Sacramento Kings, who have some playoff medal now, and even the Pelicans could drop into the plan. It's distinctly possible. I mean, I guess maybe the Kings medal has changed, but we had a a Sabonis playoff problem last year that I don't imagine is going to go away. So I don't think that the size on the Warriors, excuse me on the Warriors, on on the Wolves, or OKC is concerned about Sabonis because that seemed like that was the big killer for that team. It was like they didn't have any internal presence. So, yeah, I mean, I'd go with LeBron and AD because AD is as good as anybody in the NBA when he's playing at that level. And we saw that he would black out for a series at a time last year. And you don't need him for a whole series in the play-in. So I think the obvious answer is the Lakers. And then there's LeBron, who also, I know we don't believe in hitting switches around here, but when you get to 40, 39, 40 years old, all you can do is hit switches. And LeBron showed that he can at least, like we saw during the playing tournament, he hit a defensive switch. Like, oh, who's this guy playing defense? The in-season tournament, Foxy, the in-season tournament. (laughs) Yeah, which is only a few months ago. So I think that he can hit the switch again in the playoffs. 
Although I will say about LeBron switching, hitting switches, if anybody gets the credit to do so, he's of that tier of guy. However, as the team took a nosedive after their in-season championship, I don't know if the switch is going to stay on as bright as it once did. It might just be slight. You know them switches in the house that need the electrician that kind of slide in the middle. You got a dimmer by accident. That's what we got going on. I'm, I'm going to cheat for a second. It's my game. I'm cheating. Um, if the Thunder are the ones who play the Lakers, the Lakers are the answer there. The size and force that the Lakers can play with and the size inside, that could actually, to me, be like a rebounding and size mismatch of this huge team. Of course, the Lakers don't guard wings that well, and SGA might go crazy. We'll see on that. But if it is... SGA and Jalen Williams, but continue. And Jalen Williams, I mean, that team is loaded. Their top four is awesome. If it's the Wolves in this situation, I, I think you're doing here. I think they should be more scared of the Warriors. We've seen the Warriors. We There's been so much about Rudy Gobert being played off the floor in the postseason, and he's been so much better playing against switches this season. His defense has been unbelievable. That team has been so tough. But that is a singular matchup. Getting Rudy Gobert in that four-on-three after the Draymond Steph pick-and-roll is his nightmare. And it's been his nightmare for a long time. And I think if that is the matchup, it's a little bit scary for the Timberwolves. I don't have the T-Wolves roster in front of me. I I think there's a little more depth there yes. than you're giving them credit for. Mm-hmm. But we do need to give more. the respect deserved to the Warriors. And the Warriors are getting better. We did, if, if you had said a month ago that Jonathan Kaminga was going to emerge this way, I think that would have drastically changed what we thought about the team. But yeah, you know they have Jaden McDaniels. They have Anthony Edwards, who, if he wants to, can be an all-world defender. They're much deeper than I was giving them credit for in my cheating of my own game. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think if you're in the play-in, you're probably going to get knocked out either way. But I get your point. Um, I, I'm not all that worried about either of these teams, honestly. More the Lakers than the Warriors because the Warriors are still learning and changing. Mm-hmm. The Lakers feel like they're pretty much the same team from last year that got to the finals, even though there were some fluky things that took place. Conference finals. Yeah, yeah the conference finals. Went through, went through the exact team like this. Went through Memphis, who was a young team, who was the two seed. I think that's a good call out, Foxy, but how many iterations do we think exist of the Warriors, right? Like, I'm not sure that they haven't, approach their ceiling outside of Steph continuing to be insane. What do you he hit like 33s over a stretch of four game or whatever the crazy number was. I probably didn't even do it justice and shooting high fifties from three point range. Like, is that sustainable from Steph? Like sign me up for my, I got the popcorn buckle my seatbelt. I'd love to see it, but I'm just not sure how many more iterations of the warriors there are to come. Whereas I think the Lakers hit their stride and are playing consistent ball just by virtue of the size that they have. Yeah. To me, they could be real problematic. All right, next one. Blank is the team that's going to – this happens every year, by the way. Blank is the team that's going to stack up a ton of regular season wins, but we won't actually believe in heading into the postseason. seems obviously to me that it's the Wolves, but I I mean, I think that this version of Wolves is one worth believing in. However, they still have the Gobert issue that we haven't seen tested – tested in, like, game plan mode, right? Let me be quiet. There's somebody here who really knows basketball better than me, so let me hear what Monica has to say. Well, I will say, Foxy, I, unlike many of my colleagues, I think I said this to you last time I pulled up on you, I'm I'm actually in on the Wolves. Yeah. So, like, yep. I, I understand the logic on that. I think that there is a mental component to that team that is just untested, a little immature. Like, I know folks have brought up Finch's track record in the postseason that's not really been um, – Metal or not been tested yet. So I get it on the Wolves, but I'm kind of in on the Wolves. I actually think it would be a Dallas. Mm. 
I just, I mean, Luca is incredible. He and Kyrie together are incredible, but it just feels a little wonky after that. Uh, and I, and they will get all the credit just because of the two of them. But I think it's more to the story. So my answer for this is the Cleveland Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. I get that. I think that they, I mean, they've obviously, they've won like 18 of 20, something ridiculous. They're in the two seed in the East. I don't think of them as a real contender against the Celtics in the Eastern Conference. I think they have an actual issue that we didn't think that the team would get better when they lost Mobley and Garland. And that is sort of what's happened. And they have something to figure out of how are all four of their best players going to play and compete together. All right, last one, guys. Blank team is this year's Miami Heat. Okay, I think this is cute and all, but nobody. Like, that. Th- this doesn't happen. Like, I need people to understand heat culture, reverence, respect, all do. But it doesn't happen. I don't even think Miami Heat this year are Miami's Heat team of last year. Like, no. Last year was such a – do you guys remember they lost their first play-in game oh, yeah. last year? It's DeMar DeRozan like, didn't bring his daughter the second game or they would have been – the Bulls would not out. right? Golly, like nothing that happened last year should have happened and in all respect to what the Heat were able to accomplish. But like, no, I, nobody is them this year. One thing happened that should happen. They got blown out of the finals. <laughs> oh, there's that. <laughs> that definitely there's should happen. I mean, the run that they went, this is – so Charlie's going to get mad at me, but I'm going to draw it all the way back to the first conversation that we had at the beginning of the show. Nobody celebrates them for what they did last year. That's like the because they did get a ring, rings, rings. That, that was is, incredible. That's crazy. People's perception of Jimmy Butler is totally changed from these playoff runs. Or from these playoff runs, yeah. I, and like Jimmy, last, like playoff he's a hero. Jimmy is the only one we acknowledge, though. Yeah, he's the only one we acknowledge. Did you say the emergence of hero? No, he's no. He said Jimmy Butler is a hero. <laughs> he did not oh, say the oh. emergence of Tyler like, Hero. <laughs> one R, not two. <laughs> um, uh, I mean, my point is Jimmy Butler is a. Is not in the conversation with the high guys in the league, but what he did last year was as impre- if you were gonna think of things that were impressive in NBA playoffs over the past ten to fifteen years, the run that this team went on was as impressive as just Absolutely. about anything we've seen. Absolutely. Now, 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 let me just tie this into I know a conversation that you guys had earlier in the podcast. Speaking of one, Jimmy Butler. Jimmy Butler makes no qualms about yes. and does not try to fake it. The regular season, no matter he could give two about All Star. And you say playoff Jimmy, that's the only Jimmy we seem to recognize. And so you talk about a guy that is all in on everything that some folks may argue may be wrong with the NBA. I don't think it's wrong personally. But I do think that what they did last year, to your point, Foxy, should be celebrated, reverenced. But don't ever, anybody, nobody in their right mind should get accustomed to having that type of run. I love it. I don't I get, to have Monica on. All right. Can I give my answer? <laughs> give, give your answer. The 2024 Miami Heat yeah. are this year's version mm-hmm. of the 2023 mm-hmm. Miami Heat. I know they're the five seed. They are, a, a, along with the New York Knicks, who are also a very impressive story and, and a tough team who I think no one wants to play in the playoffs. The Miami Heat are the biggest competition to the Boston Celtics in the Eastern Conference. Gross. One out of ten? I'd sit for that. I, there's something mental there in that matchup. I, I actually would sit for that. It, and playoff Jimmy. <laughs> it, it sounded a lot smarter when Monica agreed with it than when you said it off the top. Anyway, just, thank you, Monica. I, I don't Manette. think they're them. Yeah. Thanks, guys. Thanks for being here. Do it again sometimes when you find some time in your very busy schedule for us lowly old friends from an old well, defunct it's, show. It's basketball time now, so I'll make room. All right. Woo. Love it. See you, bud. <laughs> Bye, guys.
Thank you, Monica McNutt, for joining us. And of course, thank you to The Snack for producing and hosting this show. Um, and thank you to all the other great producers, Serafina, Megan, Kevin, and Brian. We're out. Oh, yeah, Cortez. This is the Dominique Foxworth Show. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today.